Welcome everyone to our What Does God Say About podcast. This month we're talking about mental health and I've invited two experts in the field to talk to me today. I've got Calvin Schwartz here with me who's our executive pastor and also is a licensed therapist who meets with couples and individuals. And then I have um, my personal life coach here, Mary Ann Krabby. And she, like I said, is a life coach. She's amazing. And um, she works mostly with women, but also with some couples. So thank you guys so much for being here with me today. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so. yeah, I, um, I just kind of wanted to start off today because I think that there's a lot of myth propagated in the church about mental health. And I kind of want to debunk some of those myths um, just as we start today. So could you guys tell me what some of those myths are that you think that the church has kind of propagated and... Um, kind of maybe what what the truth is. Mm, yeah. You want to start? Well, sometimes I think as believers, we have a thought process for some reason that um, it's wrong to worry or to have some sort of a mental health hiccup. And that's just couldn't be farther from the truth. God tells us clearly that we're going to have struggles. And he gives us clear ways um, to look at how we can move past those things. And I'm not negating the fact that sometimes we need therapy, um, coaching, mental health help, um, but there's definitely things to do out of scripture that um, keep us moving mentally. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, when I was thinking about this um, question, the first thing that came to my mind was, I know that right now we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary um, from when Rick and Kay Warren's son, um, Rick's former pastor at Saddleback, it's been 10 years coming up now that his their son Matthew um, committed suicide. And I think that event right there was one of the events that started to make the church look at mental health in a, in a different light. Um, Saddleback has long been a, a real champion in really providing support and education around mental health. Um, they do an annual conference. Um, and so I think that started to make the church think differently about mental health. And so when I, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about like the big, big C, like corporate church, to where um, nowadays I think we're moving toward the more of the focus of thinking, okay, so mental health, this, this is really real. This is common. Um, and, and this is treatable. And any place that the church can normalize this for people going through those struggles, the, the better it's going to put them to think, okay, the church, the church is for me. Because sometimes the church, and I think that the church goes to where they go sometimes because of a lack of understanding about mental health. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's the, um, the church can go to what, what have you done to bring this on? Um, you know, you don't have enough faith. Maybe that's why you're going through this. And so the church has gotten much better. And especially what I'm so proud of is, is, is Grace Community, that I think locally there's no better church that brings this to the forefront, that normalizes this, that talks about this, um, so that we can decrease the stigma and so that we can get others to, to come get the help that they need. That's mm -hmm. so good. So good. Yeah, I, I love that our church is so supportive of helping people um, work through these issues and, and being there for them and helping walk alongside them. 
um, as they, so that they are successful in their life and they can do all that God um, is calling them to do. Yeah. And I think of, um, as you were talking about, you know, how the church in the past maybe has said things like, what did you do to bring this on? That makes me think of the, um, the blind man in scripture who people told him that it was because of his sin that he was born blind or his parents' sin. And Jesus says, no, like, I came to heal you. Like, you were, you were born this way, but I've come to heal you. And I think that, you know, Jesus comes for all of us, too, to be able to heal us. That's not necessarily something that we've done that has yeah. brought. Yeah, it could be mm-hmm. so many things that brings, brings that struggle on to where, I mean, truly can be a, a chemical like imbalance, um, a stressful life situation, a season of life that you've gone through that can just kind of deplete you. Um, also, we're finding more and more that... Um, <clears throat> Some areas of attachment issues um, can also do some things to us where things have happened to us that aren't our fault, that have happened relationally um, in our past that can cause some long-term effects. And so when we can normalize, when we can welcome those people in without passing judgment, we're giving them a safe place um, to come get healed and, and to bring God into the situation um, so that 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 they can draw on like the resource for their healing. Yeah, so good because God wants freedom and healing for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um so so let's say that we've got somebody watching this today who is not sure if what they're feeling is normal or if if they're just kind of feeling out of rhythm. Like what would you guys say are some signs to kind of be looking for that might be indicators that um, someone's life is a little bit out of rhythm, and then what would you tell them to do, depending on what signs they're seeing? Well, for me, from a coaching perspective, I usually see people come in that um, feel really scattered, and they can't pull things together to make it make sense. Or I see people come in that feel um, just really heavy-hearted, and they've been so busy and so distracted with life they've forgotten who they are so we really encourage just um in our sessions time to think we think about what we're made of who we are um and how we can better um love ourselves through um getting in touch with that yeah and i think right now especially if anybody is feeling something right now um it, it could be seasonal. I mean, we've, I've seen the last few years, you know, we've, we make these jokes and there's these memes that come out about, um, says, oh my gosh, it's like, it's January 73rd, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's a real thing for people to, to kind of get through. So it could be something that's seasonal. It's just kind of making you feel like down or blah, or just not wanting to do the normal things that you normally enjoy doing. Um, and one thing that I've been surprised at that comes up so often when I meet with people and it's become a question that I really check in with anybody about is I want to know even um, how their sleep pattern is doing Mm -hmm. because that right there can just wreck so many things. Um, And if that's out of balance, um, a lot of things can follow from that. I know like for me, like I just need more sleep than the average person. Like 10 hours, 10 hours is what I have to have to function the next day. And with that, you know, there's some things I know I've got to like, I have to cut off caffeine by 3 p.m. now. Um, I've got to not eat spicy foods. I've got to be in a cool room. I've got to go to bed about the same time every night. Um, And also, you know, that that technology piece of making sure screens are off 30 to 60 minutes before we go to bed. 
Um, other research would tell us that the two best things are, hey, screens off 30 to 60 minutes, and can you have your portable devices even out in another mm -hmm. room other than your bedroom makes, makes a big difference. So that's even an area that if some things are out of balance, hey, how is your, your sleep? I know that's kind of getting specific, but that sleep is, um, it's, it's underrated how important it is for our health. Mm -hmm. When you talk about sleep, do you mean, like I can think of a few different aspects with that, like, like how, late, how much sleep you're getting, whether or not you're waking up a lot in the middle of the night, are those, because I can see some different indicators within that specific thing. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, that, that's me. I, I don't sleep very well through the night, but I can do some of those things um, that it would be considered good sleep hygiene to help minimize some of those things that, that um, aren't um, causing me to get up multiple times through the night. I love that you just said sleep hygiene because that makes me think of other like rhythms like brushing your teeth and washing your face and all those other hygiene things that we do as humans on a regular basis to keep our teeth healthy, keep our bodies healthy or whatever, and that you've just given us some really great examples of things we can do within sleep to help be healthier in that area too. So thank you so much for sharing those. Any other mm -hmm. signs that you guys can think of? Well, I know for me, um, exercise has become, and the older I get, the more I realize how much that does for my psyche. Um, so I really would encourage um, some kind of movement five days a week, get outside, get some fresh air. Um, and it kind of reminded me when we were talking about um, sleep way back in the day, I went to some counseling and this counselor, she asked me what I like to do. And I was a young mom of little, little kids and three of them. And I, I couldn't answer her question. I had no idea. And I said, well, what I really like to do is kind of just sit on a couch with my cup of coffee and my blanket. <laughs> and it felt so silly to say that. But in that season, in that time, that was a rhythm for me. Um, when my kids were down or whatever that um, got me through homework and dinner time. Yeah. You know, so figuring out what is the so secret sauce for you that makes you just better. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge monumental 75-minute workout. Right. It can right. be the littlest thing. Yeah, I know just in my own personal journey, it's been so helpful to name the places that um, cause me anxiety and then the places that relieve that anxiety and then try to add more of the things that relieve that anxiety into my life and then cut down on as much as is within my mm -hmm. control those mm -hmm. places that cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's hugely, hugely helpful for me. So, so you've got somebody who's like, okay, I'm noticing some of these signs. Maybe I'm not sleeping well. I feel really like disconnected or scatterbrained. When is it appropriate to say like, okay, well, what I need to do is read a book or talk to a friend versus I need to actually schedule an appointment with a coach or a counselor or I need to seek additional help. Yeah, I think if you have taken some steps, when, when you've recognized those things, you've taken some steps to kind of say, okay, I've, I have, um, I've changed my sleep, I've changed my diet, I have started to exercise, and you've given that a good, you've given that a good go for 
four to six weeks or something like that. And something like that now, if, if things aren't turning around, um, then I think now it's time to go seek, you know, um, some he extra help. And so one of the things that, um, and, and I think it's a great step to go ahead and find somebody that you trust and, and a friend that you trust. Mm -hmm. um, I would never want to downgrade how important um, a good trusted friendship is because um, those friends can get us through a lot of seasons in life. And so, you know, one of the things about friends are is that they are probably more convenient than a therapist or a coach. <laughs> um, your friends are most likely free of charge. <laughs> um, and so if you have a, a really good friend that is charging you for help, then you need to find another really good friend. <laughs> um, and um, But in that as well, then we kind of say, okay, so would a friend be able to give you an hour of time that is totally uninterrupted, that is just totally focused on you? Is a friend able to protect your confidentiality, which is totally mandated by mm -hmm. a therapist? Um, is a friend able to give you that safe place, but also that unbiased place that a therapist or a coach might look in from and say, um, we want to support you, but we also want to look and maybe point out some things that a friend might be a little less apt in wanting to point out. Yeah, yeah, those are so good. It makes me think, just as you talk about friends, and then you were talking about life with little kids. Um, I remember having, when my kids were little, you know, that friend that said, hey, do you want to come over for coffee and sit in the sunshine? It's finally getting warm out, you know. Um, it was just such a relief to me to go sit in the sunshine. Mm -hmm. And now I've got a group, a couple of girlfriends that we go walk together once a week. And so I'm getting that physical movement, but I'm also getting that friend and connection time too. So it's kind of cool to pair those rhythms mm -hmm. um, in a way that kind of is like an extra dopamine boost. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I just think, con yeah. I think connection is such an important thing in that, whether it's with your spouse or a friend or whatever. Absolutely. And, uh, I agree with Calvin. I had written down that um, when you're feeling blue, low, heavy-hearted for more than a month or so, and you're not able to shake that feeling, and you have confided in friends, family, things like that, people that you trust, which you should, but it's not lifting for you, then I think it would be a great time to call somebody for some help. I think of therapy um, and coaching as preventative medicine. Mm -hmm. It is, it keeps us aware of where we are and, um, you know, sliding into um, a downward mental health um, season can be very, very subtle and we don't even realize that we're doing it sometimes. And so um, it's all about awareness, being aware of, of where my feelings are and keeping track of those is so important to stay on top of mental health. Yeah, yeah. I, you said that slide thing, sliding into it, and it made me think of, I, I knew that like the sun hadn't really come out here for a couple of months. I mean, it's just been snowing a lot in Colorado and it was sunny last week and I walked outside and I was like, it was like a different person mm -hmm. just because of, you know, just the season that we're in and it's mm -hmm. dark for a long time and, you know, we get some of that mm -hmm. seasonal affective disorder kind of stuff, winter blues. Absolutely. Um, I always, you know, we know that sometimes the holidays are hard for people mm -hmm. and, um, I tell people, you know, don't start your new year in January, start in April, 
Go April to April, not January to <laughs> January, because you're way in a better space. Not right after Christmas. We have the money blues, you know, um, weather blues, all those kinds of things. Wait till April, buy some tulips and put them on your table. I love it. <laughs> Flowers always brighten my day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think for some reason, um, when it comes to relational um, struggles or emotional struggles, you know, we always, we, we, we put those off longer. If we have something physical that's going on, I mean, we have a, we have, we've got the number of our doctor in our phone and, and we go take care of the mm -hmm. physical things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think right in there, we should have a number of somebody that we can call that when we are having those relational or those emotional things, we've got somebody else that we can go to for those that can help kind of um, listen behind the scenes a little bit um, and, um, and just offer us hope, offer us some solutions as we mm. move forward. Yeah, and I think that that's another myth that maybe we didn't talk about earlier is that the idea that going to therapy means that it means something about you as a person or mm. your identity or I can't hold it together. And that's just absolutely not true. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, if you <clears throat> um, if you polled the staff probably at one point or another, some of us, many of us have um, needed to talk to someone and, and I'm right on that list and found it really helpful for me. Yeah. yeah and we have a lot of great resources here. Um, you want to tell everybody about some resources that we have offer here at the church for mental health? Yeah. And in, in meeting like meeting with you or um, just, yeah, you know, sure. Like we've that. got, um, you know, we've got, um, I think a lot of highly equipped staff members that can provide um, some pastoral care, some pastoral counseling. Um, and then if you kind of need to go to um, another step after that, then we've got um, some professionals that we're more than happy to um, refer you to, the people that we know, people that we trust. Um, and um, so Grace is really equipped on a lot of levels to help a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Great. I just thought of that and thought we should make sure that we said that. Um, so as we, as we talk, you know, we talked about like, you know, feeling those blues or waiting until April to set goals. Um, a lot of that, I think, has to do with kind of our mindset. And so what role does mindset play in mental health? Well, I would say, I mean, what we know about mindset um, that kind of blew my mind when I, when I found this out is that um, our ability to be happy here, here, it has less to do with circumstance than it does with choice. So, um, we, you know, how we say, if only X, Y, Z would change, I would be happy. Mm -hmm. Well, what we know more now is that we need to, to focus on our thought life and make choices about um, what we choose to think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. And we do have the ability to make a choice. And I realize when we're in, in the pit, sometimes it's really hard to rise above that, but um, choice of mindset is key. Yeah. I think you're, key. what you're not saying is that our emotions don't matter or we shouldn't acknowledge those. We should definitely acknowledge negative emotions that we're feeling and express them and process through them. Absolutely. Um, but then use that to then take the next step forward. That's right. Instead of um, looking at 
those emotions and things and, and putting a stop sign, we need to say, no, instead of the stop sign, we need to look at other options. Mm -hmm. What are my options here? Um, what's really going on? I mean, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg yeah. today, but you know, what's really going on and what can I do to change my outcome, my choice of thought, those kinds of things that sometimes in frustration, we don't take time to stop and do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah and Marianne, when you're talking about the, like the stop sign, um, you know, we, you know, it, it says and reminds us, like, we're in charge of our brains. We're in charge of those thoughts. And when, when scripture tells us to take our thoughts captive, mm -hmm. um, you know, a few years ago, I got this more clear picture of this. If I was going to take Marianne captive, right, <laughs> I'm not going to just say, hey, would you come over to the corner over <laughs> with me? I want to I take you captive over here, right? That's I awesome. Mean, yeah, I, I, so if good. I'm going to take her captive, I've got to, like, wrestle her to where I want yeah. her to go. Same thing is with our thoughts. I mean, we have to be so intentional about what we're we're doing when we um, when we when we take those thoughts captive. Where we we want to figure out, okay, we we got to be the rudder that steers mm. our ship. And right. um, you know, over a Christmas break, this is a um, this is a transparent example. Over Christmas break, I took a big chunk of time off right after Christmas, and. Um, it was like so good. It was so restful, so refreshing for me that when I'm watching the days get closer to where I've got to go back to work, um, I, I got myself into a really, really bad spot mentally. And, you know, I just started, I, I was joking with my wife, but there was like a hint of seriousness in here. And I said, you know, you know, this whole working for a living thing, I'm just not sure this is going to work out for me. <laughs> and uh, this was within a couple days of coming back. And I just was ruminating on all of the wrong things. And I'm like, you know, the staff, the church, my clients, I haven't seen anybody for 10, 11 days. No one really needs me. No one's been calling. Um, I'm just kind of a nobody, really. And I'm like, no wonder I don't want to go back to work because look at where I have been sitting. So I'm telling my wife this, and she gives me this um, this <laughs> example, which I think I shared with you guys. It's completely out of love, but it was what I needed to pull me back out. And so she said, you know, you were just getting really comfortable in that poopy diaper of yours, weren't you? <laughs> she says, you know, it was warm in there. It was comfortable. <laughs> it was yours. And um, again, that's out of complete love that she has this, but she brought my awareness to where I had been sitting all that time. And so, you know, when scripture tells us to, in Philippians, to think about whatever is true and whatever is noble and right and pure and lovely and whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy as we think about those things. And then in the next verse, it says, I mean, it's one thing to think about those things. And then it says, um, goes on to say in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, meaning God, put that into practice, right? So think about those things, put those things into practice, and then God's peace is with you. And I just had to, I had to really struggle to get out of that. But once I was in charge of my own brain once again, then things were starting to look a lot better. Yep. It is so easy to spiral into that place of just like blahness if we're not, if we don't take our thoughts captive and, and do something active towards moving in the right direction, or at least it is for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good time to call a friend and say, 
I am sitting right in my poopy diaper. <laughs> Can you um, assist? And uh, most always people will say, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, what I'm thinking about how, you know, we've got all of these different things. In fact, I can't think of a person that I know right now that if you say like, hey, how are you? that their answer is like, good, busy, but good, right? That's just busy, but good. Like that is the American hallmark of like success is I'm busy. Um, and so that just makes me think about the, the boundaries that we need to set as we stretch ourselves too thin. I know that they're not all necessarily time boundaries, but what kinds of boundaries do you guys see that you help people often to set in a healthy way that helps them keep their mental health um, on the right path. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> a big one, not only trying to help others with, but a big one for me is, um, is when I let my schedule control me. And, um, you know, my son says, Dad, you should really fire your scheduler. <laughs> um, well, that, that just comes down to one person. That comes down to me. And I know that if I let my schedule control me, I know that that's a really unhealthy boundary for me because I want to be as available for as many people as possible. That's, that's, the, that's the upside of, um, of compassion. The downside of that is that when that gets out of control, when that gets out of balance, then it leads to dread. It leads mm -hmm. to exhaustion. And um, I don't want to look at my week ahead with, with dread. I want to look forward to the people that I'm helping. Um, right now, the average lifespan of a therapist today is eight years or less because of, because of boundaries, because of schedules. And I know, um, I mean, I've got a lot of ways to go before I get to eight years, but I know I want to go um, way beyond that. And I need to learn to control my schedule so that I can kind of do this as a, at a marathon pace and not just burn out, you know, within a few years, you know. Yeah, make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think a myth about boundaries, too, is that if I set boundaries for myself, people will think I'm selfish. Mm. People will think that I'm a snob. People will think that I don't have time for them. And um, I think in more reality, I know in my life, when I have chosen to do that, it's way worse for me than it is for anybody else. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, okay, that works, you know? And so um, it's just so important to do that. And talk about mental health. When we have a boundary set that we really, really need to set, um, our mental health is gonna follow um, in a better way. Yeah. 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 And I wanna follow up on that. When, when we're able to set those boundaries, um, instead of it being selfish, I mean, it, when we can set boundaries, we are adding to our self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, because it really says, setting a boundary says that um, I'm, I'm worth the pause. Yeah. I'm worth the break away that it takes to fill me back up so that I can continue to pour out and be you know, helpful um, to others. And um, I want to read this quote to you that I think r is really huge when it comes to boundaries. Um, and it says generosity, and that can be with, with our time, that can be with um, giving, that can be just 
um, sometimes we, if, we, if we have an overbooked schedule, but we think we're being really generous, that generosity without boundaries becomes a breeding ground for resentment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that I, I just know that's not the place that I want to get to um, when, and, and I won't get there when I am in control of my schedule. And when I schedule those breaks to say um, that I'm worth it and the people that I'm working with like they're work it, worth it. They they need a much fresher me than someone yeah. who's approaching bur burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when I think about you know you were talking about in Philippians when it says like whatever you've learned from me and seen in me like copy this and the God of peace will be with you. I think about well okay so what did Jesus do? Did Jesus set boundaries all the time? All the time. He, it says over and over again in scripture that he went away to be alone in the woods to pray. Mm -hmm. And so he totally, he took time for himself to fill himself up so that he could then pour out to his disciples and pour out to the multitudes of people that he was teaching. And so I think that that is really important for us. Um, I've heard it said that boundaries are really about protecting something that matters. And that's how you show, you know, I, we keep things in our house in a safe because they're our most valuable things. If they were just laid out for everyone, it wouldn't seem like they had very much value. So here's my encouragement to you to, um, set boundaries, whether that is with your time or um, with the people that you choose to be around, because maybe somebody's negativity is, you're not in a place where you can just take that and handle it, and you need to um, be in a more positive environment. Um, but think about what are some boundaries that you can set that would protect what matters to you. Is it your family that you want to protect? Is it your own mental health that you want to protect? And don't be afraid to um, set up those things so that you show that those are the things that have value in your life. So good. I think about even um, if we've got time, and you talked about we put those valuable things in the safe, but you remember when you talked about the illustration about the wallet? Oh, yeah. Share that. Yeah. So I heard this from somebody else. This is not my, <laughs> not my thing, but um, if you just, you know, we keep all of our money and our credit cards and things that matter in our wallet, and if we just threw it out in the middle of, you know, the Walmart parking lot, um, People, I mean, they would pick it up, but if they saw us throw it out there, they'd go, oh, there, there must not be anything valuable in there because it's, it's just thrown out there. They, they have obviously didn't care about it. Um, but when, you know, we put it, put our wallet in our purse or in our pocket or whatever, it just shows that there's protection around those things and boundaries totally follow that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just have had, had a blast talking to you guys. Um, and I'm super excited on February 23rd. Um, we're going to be together again with Sarah Nichols, the youth pastor. And we're going to be talking about rhythms specifically of mental health. Um, and I know Sarah's going to be sharing about signs to watch for in your teens and kids. So if you've got teens or kids who, I mean, all of us have been through the ringer the last three years. I mean, we're coming right up. We're pretty much right at three years since COVID started and all of that isolation. I mean, it's really taken its toll on people. And um, so we would love for you to come to that and be a part of that or share this podcast with somebody if you know um, that they could use a little booster support in their in their mental health. Um, but I just want to pray for all of us before we go. Um, and yeah, I just wish you guys such, such a good uh, rest of your week. And um, yeah, so let's just pray real quick. So God, I just thank you so much for everyone watching and for these um, awesome guests that have a wealth of knowledge to share. And I pray that you would just be with 
everyone this week, God, that you would bring the things to mind that are out of rhythm uh, and that you would just speak your truth. Let's just debunk these myths. And uh, I just pray that people would reach out, whether it's to a friend or a therapist, um, and that they would just find a way to connect with others and connect with you and find healing and freedom because that is, that's what you want for us as your children, God. So I just thank you and just pray your blessing and abundance over everyone today. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so Thanks. much. Yeah, it was fun.